The first rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The third rule of Fight Club Minute, someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the minute is over. Fourth rule, only one guest to a minute. Fifth rule, one minute at a time, fellas. Sixth rule, no shirt, no shoes. Seventh rule, minutes will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first time listening to Fight Club Minute, enjoy the show. I am Jack's 52nd minute. I start with Marla sitting down on her bed and missing, and I end with infectious human waste. Good luck trying to save her. I'm your host, Bubba Wheat, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, whose bed is always slayered in slippery plastic, and, oh, I, I think he slipped and hit his head, so Lance Stanford actually won't be here with us today. But don't worry, if you're listening to this, our guest today is not a threat to you, and we actually have two guests from Culture Shocked, Adrian and Corey. How are you guys doing? Great. Glad to be here. Yeah, doing good, buddy. Uh, just remember, one one out of every 10 times a suitcase is vibrating, it's a dildo. <laughs> it, it's been a long time since I've had to travel, so I luckily I don't have to worry about that situation. Yeah, for me, it's 10 out of 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't travel much either, so I can keep mine comfortably at my bedside. <laughs> All right, so you know, thank you guys for joining me today. And uh, you know, before we get into today's minutes, I I would like to know your guys' history with Fight Club. Uh, why don't we start with you, Adrian? Like, uh, when did you first see this movie? Uh, so I saw it. So I was born for context. I was born in 1990. I saw it relatively soon after it was released, not in theaters or anything. And uh, to be honest, it took me a long time to kind of appreciate the movie. And like when I was younger, obviously all the sat, you know, satirical commentary, I didn't get that went right over my head. Mm -hmm. uh, but the reason I didn't like the movie was like the most petty reason of all time. And it's just because at that time, everybody, including a lot of women, loved Brad Pitt. Like he was like he was the guy. And mm -hmm. for some reason, that made me hate anything Brad Pitt was in until years later, I realized he's a very talented actor. Yeah, he's he's had an interesting career. He's he, made a lot yeah. of a lot of like uh leading man choices but also a lot of much more interesting choices <laughs> a lot of burnout okay. readings if you will yeah <laughs> but yeah you know watching it uh now like as an older as an adult you know i do you do realize what a brilliant like satirical commentary it is and uh you know just about consumerism being a slave to the system you take a lot there's a lot of layers to this david fincher's just a master mm. And Corey, what's uh, what's your history with this film? Uh, just to clear one thing up, Adrian and I are brothers, so we we had a a similar reason for uh, not loving this movie at first. Uh, but mine specifically was our mother. All she talked about was Brad Pitt and Matt Dillon and <laughs> how hot they were. So naturally, I thought this was a horrible movie because if she was just talking about how cute this guy was, there's no way he's a good actor. I'm never watching that movie. Uh, it actually took me until I did not see this movie until around 2005. And um, I wasn't much of a movie person quite yet back then, just horror and comedy. And uh, a friend of mine made me watch this movie. He brought it to work and made me take it home. 
And I brought it back and asked what other movies I could watch because he was a cinephile. And uh, he really got me started and being the way I am now with movies. Nice. Um, so let's let's go ahead and jump into this minute. Then, you know, we start with Marla playing, <laughs> you know, high on Xanax and slipping off the bed. And, and one thing that I don't think I ever noticed until watching this this minute clip several times in preparation for this is when she slides off it makes kind of a fart noise <laughs> yeah. that's, that's just that's the xanax <laughs> right. that's that's just some of that brilliant screenwriting by fincher <laughs> <laughs> it's highbrow stuff <laughs> yeah but uh something that stuck out to me and right at the beginning of this so this is like kind of cheating because it's ending the last minute going into this minute mm. uh but one of the many, many clues that Fincher gives us throughout this movie that, spoiler, you know, you got two characters that are actually one character. Uh, so you have the phone that was left on the hangar. And then so Tyler Durden comes to her room to stop her. But she, her her reaction when she sees Brad Pitt yeah. is like so minimal. It's like so nonchalant that she's like, did I call you? But that's just because she was so high. She thought she called Edward Norton. And so it's not like you're well, a stranger. She even says at first, it took you long enough. Then she says, did I call you? Yeah. yeah she said, she, did I call you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. They really put an emphasis on that. Mm -hmm. Anybody who says they saw the ending of this movie at the beginning is a liar. But by <laughs> this point in the movie, there are enough clues that some people might've picked it up. Yeah. Uh, but you'd have to be real good to have watched any of this movie and picked it up by this point. Yeah. It's one of those six sense situations where after you've seen it, you're like, how did I not catch that? Yeah. Like he literally threw everything at me. Like not even, not even subliminal sometimes. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of it's subtle, but a lot of it is, is really out there. And th this is definitely one of those <laughs> moments that's, that hits differently whenever you're watching it the second time. And I, I think it's kind of funny that she talks that she says that her mattress is sealed in slippery plastic, but looking at the bed, it does not look like it's wrapped in plastic at all. It just looks like it's a normal bed. Layer about 20 times <laughs> and did not see a little, even a little bit of plastic. I have no idea what that was all about. If it I was really that. sealed in plastic, wouldn't the blankets have gone with her when she slipped? <laughs> like, I, I feel like yeah. the blankets would have slid off too. You guys must not have seen the director's cut. Oh, <laughs> It's it's there, guys. Don't worry, it's there. Sorry, I rented the <laughs> wrong one. Yeah, I also noticed that there's like a, a pile of papers on the on the floor too. I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, we need a little uh, backstory for that. It's probably yeah. just all the flyers for all the meetings she goes to. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing that always cracks me up is like when they finally get out of the room and they're running from the cops, he like pulls her into that little cubby area. For some reason, Brad Pitt's little <laughs> dance there gets me. <laughs> oh yeah. I laughed. I laughed the first couple of times I went through that scene earlier. He's just so yeah, damn it's... casual. And he's just like snapping his fingers. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And he's like just throwing Helena Bonham, Bonham Carter around. <laughs> and honestly, like has there been since before this movie and since it's come out, has there been anybody cooler than Tyler Durden? <laughs> he, he's the man. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's it's weird because if, if you kind of take a step back and think about him as a character, he should not be cool at he all. Should, no. no, no, especially when you know who he actually is. That, <laughs> yeah, that kind of exactly. takes him down even more. Yeah, yeah. imagine Edward Norton dressing like this. 
and snapping in a hallway with Helena Bonham Carter. It just doesn't <laughs> fit, really. No, absolutely not. But one other thing that I did want to talk about inside her uh, Marla's <laughs> apartment is, is, of course, this giant dildo. <laughs> And Tyler shakes the the dresser. It's almost as big as the one I have on my dresser. <laughs> he's he's not and, a threat to you. Yeah, I I love that line. It, it's so funny. And on the commentary, Helena Bonham Carter talks about how uh, she called out Ducky as the the props master, and yeah. uh, she said that he embarrassingly took her aside and showed her like a wide range of dildos to choose from, and she chose. <laughs> so she played a part in choosing this specific dildo to have on Marla's dresser. Okay. And as, as part of her rap presence, she got a hamper full of dildos. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, Helena Bonham Carter went girthy. <laughs> she, she's a girthy girl. <laughs> That's no wizard wand. <laughs> <laughs> Which by the way, uh, it was an Edward Norton's character. Is, is he the narrator? Is he Jack? Yes. What is he? He's the narrator. Yes. The narrator, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, he's he's Edward the North's narrator, character. and then he's he's Jack. Like in the script, he's referred to as Jack, and yeah. I I think most people, um, like fans of the film, have taken to, to referring to him as Jack because of the the whole uh, annotated reader Reader's Digest. I am Jack's, uh, yeah, medulla oblongata, and all that. Yeah, but uh, to make the wizarding connection to Helena Bonham Carter, I was going to say Edward Norton in this movie. If he has a Patronus, it's definitely a power penguin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot that. I totally forgot that scene was in there upon rewatching. And I'm like, he has, this movie's crazy. He has the same <laughs> same one as me. <laughs> nice. And so let me ask you guys, who do you think called the cops? And like, how did the cops or I mean, the EMTs, how did they know that Marla was trying to commit suicide? Uh my theory was always that she did it as part of her wanting attention. That apartment building didn't strike me as the kind of place that would really care if that is what she was doing. Uh, yeah, and also like taking Xanax is not exactly a noisy form of suicide. Yeah. It, no. Right. And she, the whole time she's on the phone, she's kind of even being real quiet, whispering all the things she's saying to Tyler slash narrator slash Jack. So, I mean, she wasn't, <laughs> I don't think she was, unless she kept trying to sit on her bed and constantly kept falling. Maybe the downstairs neighbor was getting mad. <laughs> yeah. So it could be like, it could be her in two ways. It could be her like a call for attention or it could be, she actually planned on dying and she wanted to call it in. So like, but I, I don't know. Or an unknown friend neighbor or something that she called first. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the other possibility is maybe she called Chloe before she called Jack. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was the only other thing I was thinking was maybe it was somebody before she called. Yeah, it's good. It's a good question. There's no chance it was either her or it was a distraught neighbor or something, right? Because it definitely wasn't uh, the narrator. It might have been Big Tit Bob. Big Tit Bob. <laughs> <laughs> he seems friendly. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Although, well, yeah, I guess I was going to say he hasn't met Marla, but I guess he has because she she has been coming to his support groups. Yeah, she was in testicular cancer. Yeah, she was this one. It's for men only. You mean like the testicle one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. And one one other thing that I think is interesting and and easy to miss. Uh, did you notice that the EMT guys, they ask for like, where's apartment 513? Yeah. And if you look at the beginning, you just see there's uh, like it looks like Marla's apartment is 51. So 
the the three has apparently fallen off of her door. Which I guess would make sense that they ran right past it. Because every time I watch it, I kind of think, why did they run right? They're looking for it. Why did they all run right past that uh, door? But I guess if it only said 51, maybe that that would be why. Mm -hmm. One other thing I wanted to ask, like, you know how throughout the movie, people will often make contact with Edward, like eye contact with Edward Norton, but not Brad Pitt. Yeah. Well, when those cops are going by them in the hall, none of them even look Brad Pitt's way. So, like, was was he even there, or did she just make her way to his house and run on her own? Like, was he ever there to... I don't... But then again, did she know where... Yeah, she knew where his new place was, right? Like, the trashy place, because it was Edward Norton yeah, all along. <laughs> he was already there at that so point. So, seeing as none of those cops even looked his way when they were looking for the apartment, was he even there, or did she just come up to no, his house? Never mind, she wasn't there yet. This was the first time. Yeah, they. But she she got the number because they left a forwarding address or right. a forwarding number. Okay, so if that were the case and she was imagining him there, I guess it could be that she looked it up in the phone book or something, and maybe she got scared that she was actually trying to kill herself, so she ran to his house to get help. I mean, that would like, explain how we, how they got there that fast because yeah. you know she had she does the countdown that we talked about last week and he get and the the paper street house is supposedly surrounded for miles in any direction just by warehouses so they're yeah. if he was walking because they don't have a car or uh and i don't imagine that public transit would go by there very easily either right. so he would have to be walking the entire Especially way to her apartment and through a factory district at two in the morning or whatever it's supposed to be Good. I'm not I'm not sure what time of day this is supposed to be. Like I I think it's sometime in the evening. Yeah. But uh I, I don't think it's like super late at night. I don't know. You can't really I'm trying to think if you can see out the windows when he's on the phone. I feel like you can, but I didn't really pay that close attention. So Yeah, no, like I don't remember specifically why, but I feel like it was like later, like almost darker. Well, nobody dances in a hallway in the middle of the day, so it had to have been at least, <laughs> at least evening. Have you ever have you never heard dancing in the daylight? All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I so also was... love that. I also love how Marla like tries to lock the door whenever they. they yeah. Leave. <laughs> yeah, kind of sad, really, when you think of like her running away. Because another thing is, correct me if I'm wrong. That whole interaction with her and Tyler, I don't think Tyler speaks a word. I don't think he says literally anything. He doesn't. Yeah, I, no, he doesn't. Yeah. So it's starting to freak me out. Tonight was the first night I picked all this up. I'm like, I don't even know if he was there. We just created our own theory. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. That, that's fantastic. I, I hadn't thought about that either. But yeah, he, he doesn't say a single word this this entire interaction. He chuckles when she falls over. <laughs> that's about it. But that could have been chuckling in her own head that she fell over. Exactly. Yeah. And then also... Like Marla is the one just constantly talking during this scene and she is talking bad about herself. And yeah. I, I feel like this does a few things in the context of the movie movie. Like one is it's she's doing it to throw off the EMTs so they don't suspect that she's Marla Singer. Yeah. And but I think it also falls in line with her personality that she has like low self-esteem and that in a way she does think these things about herself to some extent. And on top of that, she's, of course, doped up on Xanax. 
Oh, yeah. I don't think she was just being cocky. I think she was yelling things she actually thinks about herself. Yeah, which is... Or things she's been told over the years that she kind of agrees with. Mm -hmm. Like, she's been told she's a hard luck case. She's been told there's no saving her, so she believes in herself. Yeah, she's lost faith in herself. She's a monster. She's infectious human waste. Good luck trying to save her. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's kind of a whole sad thing because she she's very aware that she's a broken person and yeah and yeah. the one that, uh, that always stood out to me and it's it's the one that i i mean it's not exactly a funny line but it always kind of sticks out as being an, an interesting line is the infectious human waste and i also think that that is doubly interesting because it, it has this connection to tyler durden because with the soap making process later in the movie they use human discarded fat which is infectious human waste to make the soap oh yeah that's a good parallel Mm -hmm. so maybe they're all her holy hell maybe the narrator doesn't even exist i I believe (laughs) i have to go take a nap i have to go take a nap guys yeah there there actually is um somebody brought it up on an, an earlier uh episode that there is a theory that's that Marla actually is imaginary as well and is like the third aspect of the narrator's psyche. What's happening? It's all in his head. Maybe he's just in a padded room imagining his whole life. <laughs> what is this, the end of the Joker debate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, like the the explosion, the apartment explosion, actually, he was in the apartment and he's been in a coma the entire rest of the movie. <laughs> Oh God, if that's a route they ever were thinking of, like, I'm glad they didn't show us at the end. Like, I hate those. Oh, I just woke up. It was all in my head. <laughs> kind of don't, a, I kind of don't love them either. What a cop out. Yeah, that's, that's always like it, those, there's always those like head cannons on the internet about that style of thing. And those annoy me is just as much too. Yeah. yeah and the, the worst thing about that is you can do that for literally any movie. Like, and they woke up and it was just a dream. <laughs> you can get yeah. away with anything. You could do it for Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yep. Uh, the, another big one is Twilight. That's, you know, the car hitter in the first movie. Yeah. yeah. Gory's a big Twilight film. I actually do really <laughs> like them. I don't know why that matters. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. They just like bringing that up as often as they can. <laughs> I said that in the worst way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I own a couple of them, but that's mostly for my wife. I'm not, not a fan. I, I am the wife. <laughs> he is waifu <laughs> i think the one of the the funniest interviews i saw was um robert pattinson like at the talking about the last twilight movie and the interviewer asked him you know like are you is it sad to be at the end of the the movie and he's like well it's sad for them <laughs> they yeah. all hated filming those movies hmm. Yeah, yeah, they definitely did. That's one thing I know about it. Yeah, and then, you know, we just get a like one brief second as of uh, Tyler in front of the stove, but the the rest of that goes into the the next minute. Um, and that's that, that's really all the notes that I have for this minute. Do either of you guys have anything else for this minute? No, I mostly just wanted to talk about the dildo. We got that. <laughs> yeah, got yeah, we that got out that. of the way. I was going to say, yeah, funny dildo, Tyler <laughs> theory, Marla sad. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today and for the rest of this week. And 
you know, for people listening to this that uh, might not have heard you guys, why don't you go ahead and take a minute to let them know about uh, your show and where you can be found online? Uh, yeah, we're Culture Shock Podcast. Uh, we basically just talk about movies, TV, video games, occasionally music, uh, very occasionally. But we just talk about all things pop culture. Uh, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you want to follow us on Facebook, it's Culture Shock Podcast. On Twitter, it's CS Podcast 21, Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. And on uh, TikTok, it's also CS Podcast 21. All right. And all those links will be in the show notes as well. And I have been Bubba Wheat, and my co-host is normally Lance Stanford, Stanford, but like I said, he is out this week. He can be found on social media as The Night Nerd. I can be found on pretty much any social media at Bubba Wheat. I am currently most active on Instagram, where I have uh, where I share screenshots of this movie and the also, 51st Dates, which I'm covering on my other podcast, It's Time to Rewind. And uh, we are also a part of the Rabbit Hole Podcasting Network, and there are a ton of other great shows about movies, music, uh, board games, uh, TV, all sorts of uh, different podcasts out there. And uh, that can be found at rabbitholepodcasts.com. And until next time, this has been Fight Club Minutes, and this podcast is ending one minute at a time. She's a monster! You have every reason to live! She's infectious human waste! Good luck trying to save her! Hey Brenda, did you hear about that super shady secret organization? Which one? The, the CIA? The KGB? The FBI? Even worse, Rabbit Hole Podcasts. Brenda, I believe RHP is hiding proof of alien life, and I think you and I should uncover it. Jason, that is uh, too much work. Can we just watch the X-Files instead? X-Files. Oh yeah, I, I love that show as a teenager, yeah. Hmm. Ooh, ooh, also, can I, can I do updates? Oh, like baseball updates? I, I guess, just don't expect me to understand what the hell you're talking about. Wonderful! Check out the FBI's Most Unwanted and X-Files podcast on the 13th of every month, anywhere you get podcasts or its home location at rabbitholepodcast.com. The bop dates are out there. <laughs>